The show that takes you home. The Homestretch with Sterling Holmes on ESPN Kansas City. 1510 AM, 94.5 FM, and the ESPN Kansas City Facebook page. Welcome to the Home Stretch, ESPN at Kansas City. Sterling Holmes live in studio on a gorgeous Thursday afternoon. Kyle is behind the glass. Kyle, how are you doing? I'm doing well. You ain't kidding about the weather. It's approaching. It's getting to fall weather, too. It's not 97 degrees anymore. You think I didn't go and hit golf balls before (laughs) this? I mean, look at what I'm wearing right now. Look like it's Easter right now. You better believe I went up. Hit a couple golf balls. Wedges were tasty, dude. Oh. Wedges were tasty. Went to the nice little chipping area. And you better believe I figured something out with the driver a little bit. A little To get an extra little turn. Uh-huh. The driver, I've, I've heard this before. I wanted to try it out. Instead of keeping your feet, would it be parallel to each other? Yeah. And perpendicular to the ball, right? Mm-hmm. Open them up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Almost like a 45-degree angle yeah. with both your feet, okay? A little open stance. L- little, little, no, no, not an open stance, but your feet are a little bit more open, okay? They get them like 45. Really get your hip turn in yeah. there. Ball was getting launched. Okay. Felt like Bryson DeChambeau out there. <laughs> if Bryson DeChambeau hit it 270, okay? <laughs> but it was feeling good, okay? So I think I figured something out. So you, so you got to work today. I got That's to work today. Yeah, there we go. Okay, I shot an 83 this past weekend. 83 isn't going to cut it. It's going to cut it. Let's be real. I'm a 12 I, handicap. 80, 83 is going to cut it. I'm a 12 handicap. That, I felt pretty good. felt pretty good. We had to do something better. Okay? Not enough gur. Only four greens in regulation. Getting up and down like a... I don't know. I'm just getting up and down a lot. I don't really have a, a, a adjective or a synonym for that one. No story. No no comparison. I was just getting up and down a lot. Like I was doing burpees. Yeah. There you go. There we go. Took it right out of my mouth. Yeah. Nice work. But we got we to work on some ball striking, so that's what I was doing today. Uh, one thing I want to bring up, and I've been seeing this a lot, is the Chiefs should go up to Randy Gregory. You saw that the Broncos released, cut, let go Randy Gregory. A $70 million debacle. Horrendous contract that was Randy Gregory to the Broncos. And I've seen people on Twitter say, hey, should the Chiefs take a look at Randy Gregory? I've seen this a lot. Get, get that veteran depth pass rusher, right? You know what my thoughts are? Hell no. Hell no. How is a dude about to be 31 years old and people are still talking about potential? Seriously. Like, I thought I was the crazy one saying, I will, until Alberto Mondesi is like 40 years old, I'll be talking about potential. How are people still talking about Randy Gregory and saying, yeah, but look at the upside. Dude is almost 31 years old. Hey, Kyle, guess how many sacks Randy Gregory has in his career? Less than 30. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah, he came into the NFL at 2015. Now, I get it. Randy Gregory's missed multiple seasons in his career. Not been the pinnacle of health. Not been the, uh, I don't know, maybe not been the best teammate. Guess how many, guess what his most sacks in a season has ever been? 
let's say seven and under. Six. Wow. Six. When he was 26 and 29 years old. Dog, I am all the way out. Yeah. All the way out. Yeah. Could not be more out. Melvin Ingram, sign me up. Carlos Dunlap, sign me up. When the Broncos cut Frank Clark again, fine, sign me up. Randy Gregory? Give me Terrell Suggs at his current age before I'm going to want to see Randy Gregory here. Like, the Broncos made a massive mistake, monetarily and production-wise. Chiefs wouldn't make the monetary mistake necessarily because it's not going to cost a lot to get Randy Gregory when he's getting paid still by the Broncos here. Mm-hmm. Is he better than FAU? He ain't better than Dana. No. He ain't better than Loftus. Chris Jones has been kicking out a lot. Uh, Charles Minahu coming back soon. Yeah. He's going to play a lot on the inside, obviously. Are the Chiefs that desperate for a pass rush that people are clamoring for a Randy Gregory type? And I don't know if this is just people who see the name Randy Gregory and go, hey, that's a name I remember. That could be it, yeah. But no. All the way out. A dude whose best season is six sacks. A dude who we're still talking about potential in his age 31 season. Get real. I'm out. What do you think is going on with Jonathan Taylor? You think Jonathan Taylor plays this week? Jonathan Taylor says he's healthy. And when he was asked about what is the the future hold for for Taylor on the Colts, he says, I'm here right now. I have no idea. (laughs) Sounds pretty good, right? This is a running back who is wanting to get paid. The owner has been outwardly against him getting paid. I have no idea what to make of this situation because he has said earlier in the year, you know, I'm not injured. There's nothing wrong with my back. Yet he starts he starts the season on, on the pup list. <laughs> I just can't get over the absurdity of the Jonathan Taylor situation. Like Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, I get. Okay. They want to get paid. They were the focal points of their offense. They've already played out their rookie contract. You know, Saquon's already had some injuries. I get it. But what did they do? They were smart. They said, all right, the running back market is what it is. I want to still get paid. I'm going to come back. We'll figure it out later. Jonathan Taylor has said, you know what? I don't know if I'm going to figure it out later. I'll say I'm here right now. I don't know if he's going to play a game. He went on to say, I don't think it matters if I'm saying I'm committed or not, because I'm here. That's great. You know what else he went on to say? As of right now, I'm here. I'm here. I can't do it, Patrick Mahomes' voice. <laughs> I, I can't do it, man. I, I'm so bad at it. So bad. You got you got a, uh, a Mahomes voice? Not even going to attempt. Yeah, that was bad, man. Uh, well, Jonathan Taylor says, I'm ri- and right now I'm here. My number one goal is to attack this first practice. It's been over 290 days. Great. At least he's fresh. 
Uh, I feel bad for running backs in the state of the current market, but also it's you got to have some sort of some sort of self awareness. You see what the market is. Mm-hmm. I, 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 he did call his contract situation an off season thing. Yeah, he's there, so he's committed for this year. Sure, but like. Josh Jacobs and Saquon have been the consummate teammates, it seems like, right? Yeah. They've been there. They, they've been. They've not said bad things about their organizations, well, where I'm sure Giants and the Raiders, especially the Raiders, are not the premier organizations. I'm sure Josh Jacobs could have a few things to say about how that place is getting run. But what have you heard? Not a thing. And then what has Jonathan Taylor done? Yeah. Been nothing but... Uh, but- a headache. He's sniping at people. And... But a headache. Yeah. Drama. You play a position that's getting devalued in the NFL, and you're going to be a headache, and you're going to ask for top dollar. How do you think that is going to play out? I'll answer. Not well. I'm not saying he's not talented. I'm not saying he couldn't bounce back in a really good year. Hell, I drafted him in some of my fantasy football leagues. The value was there. Come on now. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm a value man. Yeah. You know me. I'm a value man. Mm-hmm. But it still comes down to what are you providing? Certain positions, like quarterback, like wide receiver, like edge rusher, have skyrocketed. It's the way it is. I'm not saying running back won't ever be important again. When I talked to Emmett Smith, we were laughing, saying the NFL is so cyclical. He goes, don't hate on all the running backs now, because as you know, it's going to come back around again. And I believe that. I actually do believe that. I know Emmett Smith is a running back, so he might have a little more of a uh, um, picking aside here. But there is something to that. The NFL is very cyclical. When everyone is passing the ball, eventually some team's going to say, you know what? We're going to be very effective running the ball. We're going, to, we're going to build around running the football. And you actually can kind of kind of see it a little bit with the 49ers. Now, that's a little different because they're very balanced, very diverse. But I, I would almost say they were a run-first team. One of the only teams that's as good as they are focused on running the football. Right? Like, would you say their best player is Christian McCaffrey? Absolutely. And they're one of the only teams with a running back is the focal point on a winning team. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not going to say, like, for example, the Giants are focused around Saquon, but they're not a winning team. Right. Like, that's not a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. They might ha- they might say they do, but if we're being honest with ourselves, they don't. Okay? 49ers are the only team I can think of, and that's because they also have great wide receivers, a tight end, and the offensive line. They have the full package. And an elite defense. And an elite defense and a great head coach. Even the Ravens. They realize they probably aren't going to win in today's NFL running the football as the focal point of that offense. Why did they bring in Todd Munkin? Draft a wide receiver in the first round. Zay Flowers. I mean, they brought in whatever they thought on Odo Beckham Jr. They tried to do something. I know he's injured again, mm-hmm. right? But, but they tried to do something because they realized, hey, let's bring in a more vertical passing attack. Let's bring in Todd, go vertical instead of horizontal. And what have you seen from the Ravens this year? They're playing some, some good football. They're looking like a top four team in the AFC. Yeah. Them, Bills, Miami, and, and the Ravens. I mean, the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Those four teams. 
just the way the NFL is right now. And by the way, it has opened up the running lanes for Lamar. When you go vertical, what happens? He's got more Cor- room to run. Cornerbacks are going deep. What happens? It's not designed runs, necessarily. Well, when you play Madden, what did you used to do in Madden 04? You run I verticals, and then you would be Michael Vick and scramble. Yeah. <laughs> well, the Ravens are taking a page of the 04 Michael Vick Madden, and it's working. Yeah. All right, Nick Bolton looks like he might be coming back this upcoming weekend as well as Jalen Watson. What are your thoughts on, well, first, the thoughts on Nick Bolton and the defense when he's missed those two games? And what do you think he adds back to the defense with him and Watson potentially coming back this week as they're both limited participants in practice? It's I think it's a boost, especially to the run game. Uh, Jalen Watson will be there to assure up that secondary. And that's big uh, coming up against uh, this Minnesota Vikings team that likes to air out that, that football against a great, great wide receiver in, uh, in Justin Jefferson. Pretty, some pretty nice weapons in that, in that uh, Minnesota Vikings offense. Now, is Nick Bolton really a boost to that game specifically? I know he's kind of got issues going sideline to sideline. He's not really a coverage guy. That's more of a Drew Tranquil's and Willie Gay's job. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how the – what I'm most curious to see, Sterling, is the snap counts yes. for linebackers in this game. I want to see how much Drew Tranquil and Willie Gay figure into the into the mix. And if Nick Bolton – sees maybe his load drop a little bit. Yeah, because Nick Bolton would have made more sense probably against the Jets. Right. Although I will say Zach Wilson threw the ball 39 times, but that was also, I think, a little bit of an anomaly. Um, The game plan, obviously, for them was to run the football in Brees Hall. uh, Six carries for 56 yards, right? I, I think Nick Bolton can help out in that regard, although I will say 43 came on one carry. Uh, I'm still thinking about Brian Cook. Like I, Brian Cook's touchdown save on that open field tackle is still extraordinary to me. Yeah, Brees Hall is a incredible running back, so strong, so physical, so quick, so elusive. Brian Cook on his heels, able to not only miss the blocker, right, but bring bring him down in the open field like that. That was yeah. an incredible individual effort from from Brian Cook. Brees Hall is a physical, physical guy, but but we will see because Minnesota's offensive line has been improved. Like, Christian Derrissaw is a really good player. And Minnesota, we, we talked with a uh, Minnesota um, media guy, and I talked to him yesterday on the Arrowhead Attic podcast, and we asked about the offensive line. We're like, we're seeing improvement from an offensive line that's been maybe bottom 10. We're now looking at a maybe in the cusp of a top 10 offensive line. And he goes, a lot of it's just been with the continuity. A lot of it's just been with... We rebuilt this a couple of years ago, but it's going to take time. Offensive linemen need to play together to learn their strengths, to learn their weaknesses, where to pick up, where to not pick up, where you can trust them. And that's what the Vikings are starting to do, and you're starting to see it come together. I'm not saying they're a great offensive line, but I think they're better than a lot of people realize. Kirk Cousins takes a lot of hits. I think part of it is Kirk Cousins does not have the best pocket awareness. He's not the most mobile quarterback. We know that. But Kirk Cousins also... Uh, I was laughing, so I think he kind of liked it a little bit, just getting just drilled because you watched quarterback and he was getting drilled time and time again. He doesn't ha- doesn't have the best pocket awareness, and when you couple that with the mobility issues, you're going to take a lot of hits. And I do give him a lot of credit because he stays in there and take. It's not like he. It wasn't Daniel Jones holding on the ball, not knowing what to do. 
It wasn't Daniel Jones all of a sudden just chucking the rock up, throwing it to a opponent. Kirk Cousins stays in the pocket. He gets drilled, but he still makes a pretty darn good throw. Yeah, he's trying to give his receiver a chance. A chance. There's a reason he wears that big flak jacket around his waist. So, I wonder how the Chiefs' defensive line, which, I don't know your thoughts, maybe struggled a little bit against the Jets. Um, two sacks. Obviously, Chris Jones had one sack in the first half, right? Mike Edwards ended up having one sack, yeah. technically, as well. And I think Karloftis missed out on one or two. Yeah, he got back there a couple of days. Karloftis has been incredible. Pressure-wise, has yeah. been has mm-hmm. been nuts. Um, he's been, I think, top eight in the NFL in pressures, right. which the only seven guys above him are like T.J. Watt, uh, Micah Parsons. It, it, it's the the usual suspects of the great players. But I wonder, what what are your thoughts on the Chiefs' defensive line going up against a improved Vikings offensive line, but a quarterback who's not the most mobile and doesn't have the greatest pocket awareness? I think in order to disrupt the Vikings' passing attack, this game's got to be won by the defensive line, at least on the defensive side of the ball for the Chiefs. They've got to get to Kirk Cousins to slow down that passing attack. Do not give Kirk Cousins enough time to find Jordan Addison or Justin Jefferson or TJ Hawkinson down the field. Get to him. Make his life uh, <laughs> make his life hell. Yeah. And, and TJ Hawkinson is a good name to bring up here because TJ Hawkinson has been a – uh, major focal point of that offense, right? K.J. Osborne always seems to come up in big moments, which is very funny to me. It's like K.J. Osborne's non-existent until it's fourth and five. Yeah. They need to play, and it's, why is he looking at K.J. Osborne? Well, he's, he's open. Uh, part of that probably comes from... They've got a safety in a corner on, on Jefferson. On Jefferson. Yeah. But they do have some weapons, obviously. I mean, uh, was it Mario Addison? Not Mario Addison. Uh, Jordan Addison. Jordan Addison, yeah. Jordan Addison. Um, you know they they have some guys, they have some pieces. They got to get after him. But again, T.J. Hawkinson is going to be a guy I'm looking at personally. You know, Jefferson's going to get his. I don't care how good McDuffie has been this year. I don't care how good Legarius Sneed is. Let's be real. The guys who are one of one, which Jefferson is, they get theirs. Same reason why you can put anyone on Travis Kelsey, he's getting his. You put anyone on Tyreek Hill, he's getting his. Jefferson's the same guy. So you almost have to live with that and shut down Hawkinson, which comes down to who do you put on TJ Hawkinson? Yeah. Are you going to go with a bigger body guy? Are you going to go with a with a linebacker of a, of a uh, Willie Gay Jr.? Do you go with a slimmer linebacker in Drew Tranquil? Do you go with a safety? Do you try and go uh, Brian Cook, who's very physical, I'm very intrigued to see how the Chiefs and Spagnuolo line up against T.J. Hawkinson. Because, again, we know Justin Jefferson's getting his. Uh, you're going to do your best. You hold him to under 180, you're doing pretty good. Yeah. Like, let's go. be real. I mean, like, <laughs> you hold him under 150, you're like, damn, that's a good game from the secondary. I mean, how many yards does he have already this season? 543 yards in four games. Is that good? It's not Luther Burden good, but that's pretty good. It's pretty close. Justin Jefferson over eight receptions a game, by the way, as well. They look his way early, often, and he rewards them. So, point remains, you're not shutting him down. You hope to contain him to an extent. 
Now you try and shut down TJ Hawkinson, the other guy who makes the Vikings offense go. That is what I am looking forward to in this game. Let's take a quick break. Let's come back and be joined by Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry. Homestretch, ESPN, Kansas City. Welcome back into Sports Video 810 WHB. Sterling Holmes joined now by Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry. Again, Nick Lowry is always presented by El Bandito Yankee Tequila, the best tequila out there, best bang for your buck. If you want to try some great tequila, make sure you go to your local Hy-Vee and get some El Bandito Yankee. Nick, how are you? It's a $100 tequila that you can get for 40 bucks. It's worth every penny. It is smooth. Unlike um, our offense has been quite at the standard we're used to, but uh, it's a great tequila, and I have a prediction that these five receivers that we have, Rasheed Rice, Kadarius Toney, Justin Watson, Sky Moore, Marquez Valdez-Scanling, they're going to rise to the occasion this week because Justin Jefferson has more receptions, more yards, more touchdowns, more 100-yard games than the entire unit of the Chiefs. And I think you're going to see people like Kadarius Toney that need a mental challenge to get them uh, away from being self-conscious, as you saw so explicitly in the opening game when he dropped three, three passes and one, you know, basically handed it to the opponent. I think these guys are going to rise to the occasion. And then, of course, it goes to us being able to handle not only – Justin Jefferson, but also the tight end because Hawkinson had TJ Hawkinson has 12 first downs, which leads all tight ends. And I mean, he's a factor. So we're going to be, I think a smoother team because one thing I love about Patrick Mahomes is he knows he's owning it. He never shies from owning it, that he's not playing at his best has not been playing at his best and realizes that, if he plays better, everybody else will play better. I mean, he was almost immaculate when we're up 17 to nothing. From that point on, the New York Jets outscored us 20 to to 6. Are you kidding me? So, you know, we have been a team that comes through in the fourth quarter. I think this game is going to be interesting. Turnovers are a big factor because Minnesota's had some major issues, and Patrick – really had three interceptions, uh, essentially. You know, he threw it as an interception. Now it was called for interference. And, and I think if you look on balance, the criticisms of the referees, they missed a bunch of calls, including the safety call and the um, uh, helmet um, when they, they grabbed the guy's face mask. Those were missed calls as well. So, anyway, it's going to be an interesting game. Minnesota's a good team. Kennedy's a great team but it's also in development. As we've noticed, it doesn't get to its best after four or five games. It usually gets to its best about the 12th game. So I'm excited because you got a great quarterback who is on the quarterback series on Netflix, uh, Kirk Cousins, a good man, a good quarterback, but he ain't Patrick Mahomes. I want to ask you this. Again, Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry joining us right here. Do at times we get – I feel like we get so – 
worked up when Mahomes has a bad game. We forget that he's human because you look around the NFL right now, Joe Burrow has had a horrendous start to his season. Now, I understand the calf, but he is still out there. He's it's still playing. It's worse than horrendous. I mean, he's, it's worse than horrendous. <laughs> he's been brutal. He's the worst quarterback in the National Football League right now. That team is imploding. Jamar Chase just had a scuffle. With the head coach, are you kidding me? One of the stars of the team. There's something going on that's not being reported, whether the press don't know about it or whether they're, they're just not you know, being publicizing what, what's been happening. But there's a very, very different energy. This is a team that was one of the top three teams in the league with Burrowhead and the incredibly mentally tough, disciplined Joe Burrow as the figurehead of an excellent organization. I don't know what's going on there, but I've never seen a team more quickly go from maybe not first, but certainly second or third or fourth at the worst to, you know, one of the bottom teams in the league right now. But you're seeing that as just with Joe Burrow and the Bengals. You saw the Bills have Josh Allen put up a miserable game one. He was pretty bad the second half of the season last year. You know, Tua Tagovailoa looked great through three weeks. Then last week he was just okay, if you want to even just say he was okay. Guys have bad games. So it's so rare that when Mahomes has a bad game, we get so fixated on it. I feel like one of Mahomes' best attributes is his incredible consistency do we need to almost pump the brakes a little bit and say hey we might be putting the tinfoil hat on too much here trying to take something that could just be labeled down as okay this is one bad game that he has i don't know every two years or so well i I do know this we did not sign a number one receiver we have got guys that are all in development and um they're they're Quite talented. I'm not sure if there's anybody that's going to be a Justin Jefferson in there, but I'd love to see it. But the the truth is we don't have any distracting second choice beyond Travis Kelsey. And Travis, by the way, please don't visit uh, Taylor Swift's apartment the morning of the game again. That If that's really true, that's <laughs> not a good sign. But having said that, you know, we love the story itself. But this team has got to stay focused and be professional. I'm sure that Travis will do that if he's listening. Travis, we love you, but you know what I'm talking about. I mean, in the end, uh, the game is the game. The team is the team. But um, it's not going to be an easy uh, game because Minnesota has a great pass rush. They put up six pressures and five sacks against Carolina, not necessarily a great team. But what I saw with the Jets' defense is they confused Patrick his receivers were not immediately open. He was taking extra time, and he just didn't seem really clear on where he was going with the ball. So you got to give some credit to the Jets' defense, an excellent defense, an excellent defensive line, and just mixing it up. You know, that's what we do. That's what we do on offense, right? We mix it up. People can't read us very easily. Well, the same is true on defense. And on top of that, by the way, Chris Jones had a sack at the end of the half uh, when there was a uh, you know attempt at a hail mary, um, but other than that, I didn't really perceive tremendous pressure at the same rate that we normally have against Zach Wilson. And Zach Wilson, give him credit, he was playing like Aaron Rodgers. He was doing the best Aaron Rodgers imitation I've ever seen. I mean, he was immaculate in the second half. Uh, he had a big touchdown there to go ahead and tie it along with the two-point conversion, right? So what what 
what was missing with our defense that allowed a guy that was playing very poorly, and my friend uh, Joe Namath said should get out of there, and now Joe Namath is saying, hey, I'm, I'm back on Zach Wilson's <laughs> bandwagon. What did our defense not do that turned on Zach Wilson? Do you think there is something, again, Minnesota's offensive line is much better than the Jets. That does give you some cause for concern. But when you see something like Zach Wilson, how he's been so bad, and then he all of a sudden turns around against the Chiefs, they are down 17 to nothing, and he plays the way he plays, do you think there is something to the fact of, at that point, Zach Wilson basically thought, you know what, it can't get worse. I just can't think anymore. I'm going to go out and just throw the ball. He stopped checking the ball down. He threw the ball downfield. He focused on moving the ball, forcing the ball into tight windows. He let the arm strength take over. Is there something to that in your mind of saying, basically, you know what? Absolutely. Yeah, playing loose. You know, in New York, there is just, you know, I was there for three years. So it was an interesting thing to watch the game. Um, I really have so much respect for Robert Sala and the job he's doing. That organization is, you know, becoming a class organization that it's been missing for decades. And it really is, I think, in the right direction in many ways, uh, with the exception of the ridiculously early injury to Aaron Rodgers. But I think when Zach Wilson, with all that pressure, sees that even his idol, Patrick Mahomes, throws two really seem to be kind of mentally lazy, trying to just, you know, if you watch it, it's almost like he's trying to be too perfect with those throws, underthrown. I think he he said to himself, hey, he can throw interceptions too. Screw it. I'm just going to go for it. And when he turned on that button, which is really important in sports psychology as the kicker too, when you're more aggressive towards the ball, you don't try to be too perfect. Your your natural spin, just like a pitcher, your your miles per hour go go up and your consistency goes up. The same thing is true as a quarterback. I will also say, uh, not a professional athlete by any means, but if you are a golfer and you're listening to this, you understand this as well. Sometimes when you tr- try and take something off, you're trying to just hit your driver straight. Instead of actually going after the ball, what happens? You snap hook it. You do something silly that you're not used to doing. Sometimes you have to go after the ball. Just go out there and go after it. And that's what I'm seeing from Harrison Butker yep. here. Nick Lowry, uh, again, is our guest right here, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Uh, Harrison Butker is perfect right now. He's 8 for 8, 11 for 11 on extra points. He's been true. He's been pure. Now, I understand his longest field goal this year has only been 41 yards, but the deep ones have never necessarily been his issue. What have you seen from Bucker, just the confidence, and it seems like he's reverted back to what he once was pre-injury? You asked me this question last week about him versus Zerline, and I said Bucker gets the edge, and sure enough, Zerline who's got a very powerful leg, uh, hit the upright and missed a 52-yarder in the first half, which, you know, that three points could have tied the game, right? So uh, Harrison, um, I think he's just relaxed. And once again, it's not about killing the ball, to use the golf analogy. You're not trying to hit the 300-yarder. You're trying to hit the 260-yarder, but you're attacking the ball. You're not trying to kill it, but you're attacking it. You're being aggressive. And in sports psychology, what they find is when you're nervous – the large muscle groups take over. You you become a bit more crude, if you will. You lose that natural snap, which is why a 140 pounder can snap a uh, you know uh, when you have a oh, what, what do you call it? You've got uh, you're holding a you're snapping a gosh I'm having trouble with the word. Um. Anyway, the snap itself is different when you attack the ball when you're self conscious. 
those large muscle groups take over. So you have to create mechanisms to just attack the ball. He's confident. Kicked the game-winning field goal in, in the Super Bowl. Did hit the upright himself earlier. But you know what? He has been so incredibly consistent that uh, it's a whip. That's what I was thinking of, the natural whip of a crack of a whip. You can get a, a lineman that bench presses 600 pounds that can't get the, the whip to crack. So so that's what Harrison Butker is doing. It took me this long to say it. But he um, he's comfortable. He's got confidence, obviously, in his plant leg. Hopefully he won't have to play in that lousy surface at uh, the Cardinals stadium <laughs> where everybody was flipping. Um but, uh, yeah, he's he's one of the two best in the league. I think he's right there, right after Justin Tucker. And, um, you know, we're so lucky to have him. Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry joining us right here, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Isaiah Pacheco was so efficient on the ground. 20 carries, 115 yards, that touchdown. But he also had uh, a nice game receiving three receptions, 43 yards, a long of 33. Pacheco seemed to get involved early, often, and even late. He was finding the, uh, the running room. He was the most explosive player on the field for Kansas City. Do you think that continues against Minnesota? I'm not sure if he'll get 115 this time, but if he can continue to get those four and five yards and with the occasional threat to break one, you know, his legs are always churning, right? His legs and arms are always churning. And that eventually, I think, has some level of intimidation. He's not a huge player, but that's amazing. I do want to see, unlike last week from two weeks ago, Jerick McKinnon has, two, I think, two touchdowns. He's such a great factor. He's a, one of those guys, again, that confuses the defense. Uh, it's one more thing for them to think about. They use him in so many crosses and, and motions as well, uh, whether it's a quick little snap under, underneath, under the, uh, the belly of the defense, right underneath the line itself, or whether it's out in the flat. So I want to see him back in. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire didn't do much. They only had him rush three times, but um, – Pacheco is rising, and that threat, as I've said before in every single uh, show that we've had, that makes a huge difference and takes a lot of pressure off of Patrick Mahomes. Do you think, to an extent, Mahomes is going back or reverting back to trying to make the big play? Because it looked like there were some of those check downs, some of those more underneath four, five, six-yard routes that were open, and instead Mahomes is trying to you know, do those touch passes that we are so, again, used to seeing him make. But when he's off in a game like this, it wasn't working for him. At times, would you like to see Mahomes be a little bit more cautious, if you will, or is that taking away some of the stuff that makes him so great? I think that he was trying to reassert the deep threat that's been missing, right? I think that's what he was trying to do. But the other side of it is, he knows what he gets with Travis Kelsey. I mean, he had that one play where Travis stopped running and, uh, you know, he thought he was going to go back and almost threw an interception. But normally he can read Travis's mind and vice versa. He doesn't have that with these receivers. And in a short pass, when you have to do the quick read and hit them somewhere between 10 and 15 yards or even seven yards, you've got to know exactly where they're going to be so you can release the ball quickly. And, of course, that negates the pass rush, but it's also timing. It's also knowing what the other guy's going to do. And he's not quite there yet. But I have every confidence by the 10th game, mark my words, some people are going to emerge. Now, Kadarius Tony, I'm going to make a prediction that, uh, you know, talented, but also 
got to get his head right. I think the challenge of Justin Jefferson is going to give him reason to challenge himself and the rest of the receiving crew. I think you'll see some nice performances, two or three of them with some, you know, 50 or more yards, maybe one of them with close to 100 yards. Mm, I like that. Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry joining us right here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. Now time, Nick, for our El Bendito Yankee player of the game. Sounds like you might have a wide receiver in mind. Who are you tasking as your El Bendito Yankee player of the game against Minnesota? You know what? I would I would love to see. I'm going to go back with, you know, we always have a bias with offense, but I, I want to go with the, the defensive line uh, in general. I think you put pressure on Kirk Cousins, who has been maligned, and he had a very bad game, and he had two interceptions, and really only because the Minnesota defense scored twice, uh, one of them for the first time in, I think, uh, late 2021, you know, they bailed him out. So he's going to want to, you know, reestablish himself as well. So that's where our defensive pass rush, which has been significant, but was really not that effective for the most part, I think, we see that reemerging. So that will be the challenge for me. That will be the game for us because turnovers, Minnesota was making a lot of turnovers in those first three games, and it continued last week. And, and a home team, Marty Schottenheimer would say this every time, that the percentages, when you get one or more turnover less than the other team, your chances of winning go up significantly. And uh, I think the juggernaut uh, may not be in full force, in f- full smooth El Bandito flow, but I think it's going to be getting there. And um, I'm looking forward to this game. All right, score prediction, Nick. What do you have for us? 28 to 21. I think uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna do okay because Patrick um, challenges himself. That's what makes him so great. He challenges himself and competing against himself, just like Michael Jordan, just like uh, Steph Curry. You know, the great ones have enough self motivation and discipline to push themselves to new heights. He's frustrated with how he played on national TV. I think you'll see Patrick reemerge. Uh, with the Patrick that we're used to. That right there, everyone, is a Chiefs El Bandito Yankee tequila win. So make sure you go to Hy-Vee, pick up some El Bandito Yankee tequila, and bust out and celebrate with the best tequila out there. Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry. Nick, always a pleasure. Thank you, brother. I had the Blanco last night uh, at a place called Pomo in Scottsdale, and the Blanco won the Platinum Award. The Tag Award uh, is called the Platinum. Top Award and the Blanco is just extraordinary. Just just to break in with El Bandito with Blanco, you'll see there is no bite to it. I mean, it really is phenomenal. I it, I never really liked tequila that much, but the Blanco the Blanco has brought me back, brother. <laughs> a platinum award and a platinum guest, Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry. Take a quick break. Come back. Sports Radio eight ten WHB. All right, stop. Now, just stop this song. Don't. How dare you play Vanilla Ice on this on this show? We're a classy show. What? Not a fan? We're a classy show. Oh, come on. Something grabs a hold of me tightly. <laughs> I don't know. I hope it stops. Okay. If you turn off the lights, I will glow. With anger that you're playing this instead of Queen. How dare you, Kyle? You're Kyle, you're better than this. All right, I'll, I'll take note. It's fine, actually. Put it in my home I, I, folder. I don't care that much. And I'll a, make adjustments. And I'll watch the tape. It's fine. It'll get better. <laughs> okay, Coach. 
Yeah, good, good, good coach speak right there, Kyle. Proud of you. Uh, I'm going to a game this weekend. Now the Chiefs game, not going to Minnesota. I'm going to Columbia. Faroe Field. Number 21, Missouri, takes on and hosts LSU. Tiger versus Tiger. 21 versus 23. 5 and 0 versus 3 and 2. But two of the most explosive offenses in the NF or in the uh, NCAA so far, which is wild to think of that about Mizzou, right? Because Mizzou had been a really good defensive team for a while now, and they're still decent defensively. Their safety play, though, has been a major issue. Whilst LSU has been electric in the air, they actually are leading the SEC with 353.4 yards per game passing. So. I'm intrigued to see how this matchup plays out because you look at Mizzou, you know, Enos Rankstraw, uh, Chris Abrams-Drain, two really solid cornerbacks for the Missouri Tigers, but their safeties have been exploited time and time again while LSU's defense has been, quite frankly, uh, brutal. And then obviously you have uh, Malik Neighbors for LSU. He has the second most yards in the nation with 625 yards receiving, but oh yeah, who's ahead of him? Well, that's Luther Burden from Mizzou with 644 yards with five games in, five touchdowns receptions, and 100 yards receiving over the past four games. His lowest total is 96. Against South Dakota when they didn't need him to do anything. Yeah. So Mizzou's offense, and quite frankly, Brady Cook, has been outstanding. i got to give a a huge shout-out to Brady because I was one of the people who were saying, hey, man, you know what he is, right? You know what he is. He's okay. He's okay. He's a guy. He is the NFL version of... Do you want to say Derek Carr? Maybe. Maybe Derek Carr. Is solid, serviceable. Serviceable. But you know what he is, mm-hmm. right? You're not, you're not winning the big game with him. Well, so far, he's proved me wrong. I don't know if it's the case of Brady Cook's healthy. If he's improved that much, again, these are young kids, right? It's not like you're, you're improved. A dude in the NFL can be 24, and you talk about how they have a lot of uh, progression to make. It stands to reason a dude who's 21 has progression to make as well. So could it be he's getting better? Could it be that he's healthy? Could it be that they're actually trusting him, Drinkwitz and the offensive coaching staff, to actually throw the ball deep? Because that's what I've seen more than anything is they've allowed, they've allowed Brady Cook to throw the ball deeper down the field, and that has paid off in uh, very high dividends. And LSU's secondary, not great. I am expecting fireworks in this one, and uh, I I think that the rest of people watching this game do as well, as LSU is coming off of a 55-49 loss to Ole Miss. Both teams uh, great passing the ball. Uh, and obviously, you know, Schrader on the ground for Mizzou has been fairly effective, right? You know, he's not the most explosive guy, not the best running back you will see, the the timeshare between he, uh, him and Pete. But he does enough, man. He constantly puts up numbers. Whether it's electric or not, he puts up numbers. Um, so I'm very excited to see LSU-Mizzou. I'll be going there. Uh, just found out I got tickets. Call my boy. We're heading there. Told him he's driving because I got the tickets. He can drive, and I can, uh, I can do a little boozing. I'm just gonna go ahead and say the tailgates are not, uh, they're not safe. Not in Columbia. No, come on. I'm I'm swinging through. Okay. You better believe I'm gonna stop by and get some trops. Okay. 
You don't know what Trops is. It's an alcoholic. I know uh, what Trops are. Come on now. You know Trops? Yeah. I you, drink them when they're free. You go to Columbia? No. But I know people from Columbia who I mean, bring them to Lawrence. Yeah. That's a lot. That thing's going to melt. How does your Trops not melt? They have coolers. You guys are living on smart people time. That's that's <laughs> genius. Coolers, come on now. I must not have learned that when I was in uh, Como. I thought you said I'd drink them really quick. That's also another way to do them. Yeah, get the Tiger Paw, baby. Silver Bullet. Get after it. Uh, so that'll be fun heading to uh, Columbia to see Missouri. Hopefully beat LSU. Although this will be a very Mizzou thing to uh, just get hammered and just crush my hopes and dreams. But we're going to see. Tonight's game, Thursday Night Football, which is probably going to crush a lot of people's hopes and dreams just in their faith in the NFL. But I will say, I found myself being pretty negative at times. And a lot of people are saying, oh, it's the Bears in Washington. All right. The Bears were fun last week against Denver. Again, it was against Denver, but it was a fun game, 34-31, right? That was entertaining. And then the Commanders have been pretty entertaining as they sit at 2-2. But Eric Bieniemy has, whether it's him... Sam Howell, I don't know what else would be. That offense is rolling. They almost beat the Eagles. They should have gone for two and had a, a good chance to beat the Eagles. Instead, uh, apparently Ron Rivera goes, yeah, our offense is tired. Yeah, and the defense of the Eagles wasn't. Ron Rivera, for being a coach who's been around a long time, has some of the worst awareness, like situational awareness. Media awareness, when he's when he saying, hey, yeah, we didn't know we had a chance for the playoffs. You didn't see? You have a chance for the playoffs? Yeah. Riverboat Ron? Yeah, that, that's the thing that annoys me the most. You have a nickname like Riverboat Ron, and you're not going for two? Come on. Go, yeah, seriously, Riverboat. Come on. But this will be a good game. Uh, Commanders have been good in three out of the four games. The only game they were brutal in was that 37-3 loss to Buffalo. The Bears, again, coming coming off of their best game of the season, a 31-28 loss to Denver, where Justin Fields looked great for, what, three quarters? Three and a half quarters before he kind of crumpled down the stretch. I don't know, man. I'm, I, I guess it's not two great teams, but I'm not going to complain in week, what, five? Heading into week five about NFL football. I will find a way to make this game entertaining for me. I I will throw some money down on this game to find uh, some storyline, something to root for. But either way, come on. It could be worse. It could be June and the Royals are 30 games back already, you know? How dare you? (laughs) How dare you? I do not want to think about the Royals right now until... I'm telling it like it is. I do not want to think about the Royals being... If they are 30 games back in June next year... I was more referencing uh, this past year, but correct. I but I don't care. I, I don't don't put that voodoo on me, Ricky Bobby. No, but you take the NFL matchups you have exactly when you get them. So and you're gonna like it. Bears Commanders first and foremost. Who do you got tonight? Give me the Commanders. I'm going Commanders too, but I'm convinced the Bears cover the what's it six point spread. Six point spread. What do you think? I don't know. Washington's defense, they get after the quarterback pretty uh, decent amount. Now, sure. Uh, Scoring-wise, Washington's defense has been lackluster, but I haven't seen the Bears be able to move the ball against anybody except Denver. And Denver's defense 
on pace to be historically bad. Which is wild because going into this year, didn't we think Denver's defense was going to at least be solid? Yeah, they were solid last year. At least solid. And right now, uh, they're not. I'm going with Washington. But part of me thinks, was Justin Fields throwing emergence last game against Denver? Does that continue? I get Washington's defense is better than Denver, but Washington's defense is not elite by any means. And I will also point out, the Bears, and especially Justin Fields, have literally nothing to lose. I mean, they're 0-4 right now. And what I find interesting is Fields has to show something or else they're drafting a quarterback and he's gone. Yeah. And I don't know how much of another opportunity he is going to get in the NFL. So I find myself saying, does he have a little Zach Wilson in him? Which is hilarious to say about Zach Wilson. But I say that to bring up the fact that we thought Zach Wilson was going to roll over. We thought that Jets team was going to roll over. They got down 17 nothing. It was over. Yeah, against the Super Bowl champs. The Bears have every reason to roll over, and they put up a really good fight against Chicago. I mean, against Denver. Do you think some of that fight carries over tonight against Washington? It better. That's it? They better? Give me something here. Give me something to work with. They're winless. And you bring up a great point. Caleb Williams... He's waiting, Justin Fields. What are you going to do about it? Who stays winless longer, the Bears or Carolina? Carolina looks awful, too. Carolina p- plays Detroit this week. I think the Bears probably have the better cho- uh, better chance, for sure, to break the winless. Now i got to see their schedules move forward. but That's great, man. Two 0-4 teams. Probably going to be two 0-5 teams. I hope they play each other at some point, and they're both winless. That'd be great. That'd be the ultimate. They do. It's possible. Week. What's that? Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Week ten. All right. I don't know if I'm counting the buy in there or not yet. I don't think they put they have the buy yet. Week ten. Carolina. Don't, don't discount the possibility Chicago. of Chicago and one. Oh, oh, oh dude! One. Come on! I am rooting for. <laughs> I'm rooting for Chicago versus Carolina. Both teams winless, facing off each other against each other. That's going to be great. Uh, this was the home stretch here, ESPN Kansas City. We'll be back live in studio tomorrow at three to four p.m. Briscoe might be joining us. It might be a Briscoe Friday. Until then, we are out. <laughs>